The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle, a student-run, student-scripted, and student-produced news show on 88.1 WKNC HD1 Raleigh. I'm Aaron Kling. Tonight, we'll be interviewing Brenda Tracy, the coordinator for last week's hashtag SetTheExpectation football game. Brenda Tracy has devoted herself to the cause of increasing awareness of and combating crimes of sexual violence and exploitation within institutions. Afterwards, our newest contributor, Benjamin Denton, Strode out, microphone in hand, to interview Daniel Barris of Public Relations Student Society of America. PSR, PRSSA is an organization helping students get that all-important leg up in the communications field. Come join us. Eye on the Triangle is starting right now. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1 Eye on the Triangle, and I'm here with Brenda Tracy, the coordinator for Hashtag Set the Expectation. Now, I hear you're doing a game over here at NC State, Ms. Tracy. I am, yes. I just got into town today, and we're going to be doing a Set the Expectation game this weekend against Ball State. What is Set the Expectation? What expectation are we setting? It's Set the Expectation. The sexual assault and interpersonal violence are never okay. We are a campaign that raises awareness around issues of sexual assault and interpersonal violence, and we basically harness the power of sports and athletes and coaches to raise awareness. And what is that power you're harnessing? Well, there's nothing bigger in this country than sports. I think even when we look at issues of sexual assault on a campus, you don't see the biology major in the media. You see the sports athlete in the media. So there's a lot of influence there. There's a lot of power there in sports, you know, nationally, even just on their campuses and in their communities. So when you get the athletes involved and engaged and you get them to raise awareness, other people look and they see what they're doing. And there's just kind of a ripple effect that happens around them. A ripple effect. How have you seen that change a community? You know, really a lot of it has to do with just engagement also. I think even today I came here to the campus at NC State and me and some of the football players were handing out Set the Expectation wristbands and we were telling them about the Set the Expectation pledge in the game. And the students were coming in and learning about it. But then other students were coming too and saying, oh, I, I heard you're on campus this weekend. You're going to talk again and do your session. I can't wait to come. I can't wait to hear what's going on. And a lot of that buzz started from the football team and the other men's teams that were in the room with me in the spring. So word of mouth kind of spreads. And then you may see things like survivors who have been silent. Maybe they now reach out for help. They feel like it's okay. Conversations are started. Um, lots, of, lots of things can happen. What do you see as beneficial to survivors? What usually brings them out and lets them feel confident enough to tell their stories? 
I know there can be a lot of pressure on them to not upend the community or not cause problems, but a lot of that is not necessarily something that's healthy for them. How do you bring them out of that kind of mindset? In order for a survivor to come forward to share their story, they have to feel safe. And if you feel like you're going to come forward and share your story and you're going to be called a liar and people are going to turn on you, vilify you, call you names, you know, many of the things that I dealt with when I first came forward in 1998, you're not going to come forward. And so we really have to create communities and environments where survivors feel safe to come forward and report that they're going to be believed and supported and helped. And what does help look like? Well, number one, believe. <laughs> believe the survivor. I know a lot of times in our society, we kind of act like we we can't believe the survivor when they first come forward. But you can. You can believe a survivor. You can allow due process to carry out. We can do all those things at one time. But, you know, offering support, and maybe whether that's counseling services or if you're on a, on a campus, maybe the survivor needs some accommodations or maybe they need to be connected with the police or a nurse that does rape kits or, you know, all of those things just to support the survivor in their healing process and also the reporting process should they choose to do that, whether that's, you know, with the police or on campus or whatever that is, just basically addressing their needs and what they need to do, what they need to be able to survive this type of trauma and deal with it and then also heal from it. And how have you incorporated that into Set the Expectation? Well, Set the Expectation is really about also, you know, kind of bringing campuses together. So when we do Set the Expectation games, we have like the Office of Equity and Inclusion involved and women's services and the counseling services and different student groups that work on these issues. So it's really about everybody kind of working together and how do we create this environment where survivors can come forward, where survivors feel honored and not shamed and also elevating that all these services are available on campus because a lot of times until you are assaulted, you don't really think about where would I go if this did happen to me? Because we don't think it's going to happen to us. So you don't even really know where to go. One always thinks these events are something that happens on the news far away through a screen. It happens everywhere. On It's happening in every single community in, in this country and on every single campus. Do you think a problem is entitlement with a lot of these groups? I think that it plays a role in it, for sure. I mean, I definitely think that sometimes when we speak about athletes who have committed these crimes, yeah, if you have a certain sense of entitlement, you may feel that you're entitled to a person's body. Mm. Possibility. That's pretty grim. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. How can individuals keep themselves safe? Well, I think the first thing is we have to understand that no one can force another person to make the choice to use their body to violate another person's body. You can, so you can do everything right to keep yourself safe, right? I absolutely advocate for common sense. That's why we lock our our doors to our homes and we lock up our valuables and all these things. So yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something to be said about trying to be responsible. But at the end of the day, if something happens to someone, it's never their fault, never the victim's fault. So I think that the only way I'm in harm's way is if another person means harm to me. So even if I'm not using common sense or I'm doing something or that people would say like, oh, that's not very smart. You shouldn't walk down that dark alley. Well, even if I walk down a dark alley, I'm not in harm's way unless someone's in the alley that means to hurt me. I think when we talk about common sense, though, you know, on our campuses, I think that we have to be aware that sometimes people are drugging alcohol drinks 
at parties. There are people who, there are predators on our campuses who use alcohol as a way to gain access to another person's body. So they're feeding someone a lot of alcohol, getting them drunk until they're incapacitated and they're just kind of walking off with them. So, you know, it's good to have a plan for when you're going out, make sure your friends know, I want to make sure I get back to my dorm. I'm not intending to leave with anyone that I don't know. You know, there's those kinds of things that we can do. But certainly, God forbid, if something happens, it's, it's never that person's fault. Exactly. One thing that I noticed when my girlfriend was going to state is that she and her roommates would always check in with each other when anybody was going out. And if somebody was gone for too long, then they would text or call or investigate. That does segue into my next question. Of course, that's ways individuals can keep themselves safe. But how can folks keep each other safe? Well, I think it's really about, you know, I talk about the 90% and the 10% when I, when I work with, I mostly work with male athletes. And here's the thing, most sexual violence is committed by men and men are usually the perpetrator and they're perpetrating these crimes against other men and women and children. But it's about, you know, 10% of our male population committing these crimes, which means 90% of our men are good. They're not doing these things, right? They're decent guys, right? Most, most men are not going to commit these crimes. The problem is that within the 90%, we have men who are complicit in their silence. They're complicit in their inaction. They know something. They see something. They're like, it's not my business. Or they're just a good guy. They don't know why this is their issue. Well, I talk to people all the time that, you know, women alone could do this work and stop this violence. We would have already taken care of it. We can't do it by ourselves. The 10% of the men that are committing these crimes aren't going to do anything. So who does that leave? That leaves the 90% of the good men. So, it's not always about perpetrating the victim, but it's everyone around them. And we all have to decide that we're going to take care of each other. If we see something, we're going to say something. Um, we're going to step in. We're going to make sure that people are safe and that they're okay. Because at the end of the day, all of us are depending on strangers at some point to take care of our loved ones. Yeah, you can't be with your loved ones all the time. And, you know, my sons think that I deserve safety and respect. But what they really need is for every other man in the world to think that I deserve safety and respect because I'm not safe until that happens. So we really have to start taking on this attitude of it might not be my family member, but that person is someone else's family member. And that person does belong to someone else that loves them. And how would I want people to treat my loved ones? That is wonderful. So in a way, your solution or your proposed solution to this is just a little more common decency, a little more trust, a little more faith. It really is. And get involved. Make it your business. If you see the most common situation that happens on a college campus is that a woman will become intoxicated and basically incapacitated. She's drunk. And some man will just walk off with her and do whatever he wants with her. And people just kind of stand around and nobody asks, like, is she okay? Does she know him? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got you got to step in. You got to say something. You got to figure out what's going on. It's important to remember that a lot of these crimes are opportunistic and they happen to people who know each other. Yes. Ninety percent of assaults that happen on campus involve alcohol. Um, over 80 percent of the victims know who the perpetrator is. So it's not like you have, you know, people out here that are just being reckless. You have students who are at a party with their friends. They think it's okay to drink. They think it's okay to get drunk. And then someone they know violates them. It's, it's, a, it's horrible. And we have to start just being mindful of, of what's going on, who's with who. It's funny because I had a guy not too long ago. I was working with him on this stuff. And he was at a bar in a college town. 
And he saw two men helping a, a woman walk down, leave the bar, walk down the street. She was obviously very intoxicated. Like they were both holding her up. And he thought, oh, I don't know what this is. And so he went up to her and he said, are you okay? Do you need help? And she yelled at him, I'm fine. These are my friends. And he goes, I was kind of embarrassed. He goes, but then I thought, what if she didn't know them? <laughs> and I thought, exactly. And I said, exactly. That's exactly the point. And I understand that was a little embarrassing for you. But what if she didn't know them? And honestly, I think that once she had sobered up, she probably would have been like, thank you for checking on me. I think some level of embarrassment is better than the alternative of lying awake in bed wondering if you could have done something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's probably a small price to pay for at least trying your best. Absolutely. We have to make it our business to take care of each other. Yeah, you can't go it alone, of course. So what do you hope to see change in colleges? Well, I think for colleges, I think, you know, I would like to see more transparency and accountability on these issues with our colleges. Transparency from who? I think everywhere. So I think all levels. I think from administrations, I think from athletics. We all see the scandals in the news about, you know, athletic departments and campus-wide. You know, you see the Larry Nasser case and, you know, 500 victims at MSU. And there just needs to be more transparency. There needs to be more accountability, education, activism. These should be issues that we are talking about consistently all the time. And we should be raising awareness. We should be doing whatever we can because these are preventable. This is preventable violence. It doesn't have to happen. Yes. The sexual violence is not the cost of doing business in a society where everybody lives close to each other. It is preventable. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and not only that, but if you look at the, the stats, perpetrators are repeat offenders. A perpetrator on a campus has between six and eight victims each. Then there's other awful statistics also, like, you know, uh, the CDC says that one in three women will experience sexual violence in their lifetime and one in four men will experience sexual violence in their lifetime. So when we talk about the 10% of the men who commit these crimes, they're causing a lot of trauma. And it's because a lot of them are repeat offenders. I mean, Larry Nasser had 500 victims that we know of at MSU. Partially because of his institutional position. Yeah, well, he didn't do that alone, right? He had people around him that enabled him to be able to do that. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not always about the victim and the perpetrator, but everybody around them. And what are we doing to enable these cultures and systems that allow someone like him? Because he's not an outlier. That's the thing that I want people to understand, too. These pedophiles and these perpetrators have multiple victims. They don't, it's not just a one-off. They have multiple victims. Yeah, exactly. A person like that, that's what they do, horrifically enough. And quite frankly, predators hunt where they're safe. But if they are on campuses where we're raising awareness, we're giving back, we're, we're having these conversations, we're all taking care of each other, the predator is going to go someplace else. You're suggesting at least kind of the idea of an area being safe, being a major component in slowing down the perpetration of these actions. I think it's all of it, really. I think it's all of it. I don't think there's like one little thing that creates communities that are safe, right? Like a sign... Yeah, but we have wristbands that set the expectation and that kind of thing. And I talk about the fact that, you know, when you rep the logo and you have a set the expectation wristband, you're, you're taking a stand and you're saying, I'm the 90%. If I see something, I'm going to say something. I'm, you're safe if you're around me. And I think that's important for people to know who they're around and what's, what's happening and everything. But I think it's a, it's a combination of many, many things that have to happen. 
to recap a little bit, you believe that it's not just a matter of putting the onus on the potential victim to look out for herself or even his self, but a matter of the entire community to look out for each other and try to analyze institutions for any kinds of ways that a person can get away with this sort of thing and to make sure that people are safe while they're having a good time out there. Yeah, because, I mean, I want to be very clear. Victims cannot prevent their own assault. Yeah, can't prevent your own assault. And the idea that we in society say that, you know, victims can, that only helps to create cultures where more violence happens because then we're not addressing the issue. Because if you're just blaming the victim and saying, oh, well, if the victim had done ABC, this wouldn't have happened, then you're not going to do anything. You're not going to change any systems. You're not going to change any policies. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to say it's the victim's fault that that happened. And it's never the victim's fault. Yes. Victims cannot prevent their own, their own assault. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was gang raped by four college football players. I was in an apartment with people that I knew. I had no idea that that would happen to me. Um, there was nothing I could do to prevent that. I, if I had thought something like that was going to happen to me, I wouldn't have been there. How has college culture changed already? Um, I don't know how much change there's really been. I will say, though, that we're having a lot more conversations, which I think is just the first step in even just saying there's a problem. Because until you admit that there's a problem, you can't address it. So I think there's a lot of conversations. I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, trying to educate and change things and raise awareness. So, you know, the shift, as small as it might be, it is happening. I mean, there's more going on now than back when, you know, I was assaulted. So um, it's happening, but we have to, you know, we have to keep pushing. We can't, we can't relent in any way. We have to keep pushing forward and doing more and more and more because certainly that I don't think the numbers have changed. Um, and that's what we need to do. We need to start seeing these numbers, uh, get better. And of course there is no done. There is no safe location no. that we can reach as a society. We will never eradicate rape. There will always be a sociopath out there. But we can definitely prevent more violence. We can definitely prevent more than what we're doing right now. There's a lot of room for improvement. Thank you for having me on. And I hope people will check out the campaign. The nonprofit website is setthexpectation.org. And hopefully they'll, you know, come support these young men at NC State. Yes, thank you for coming on to Eye on the Triangle, Miss Tracy. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1, Eye on the Triangle, and I'm signing off. This is Benjamin Denton and Daniel Barris with Eye on the Triangle, spotlighting a student organization, and I'm here with Daniel talking about PRSSA. And uh, Daniel, what does PRSSA stand for? So PRSSA stands for Public Relations Student Society of America, different universities throughout the entire country who are accredited with our program, and NC State just happens to be one of the few in uh, North Carolina. So what is PRSSA for someone that's never heard of it before? It's an organization that empowers, inspires, and motivates students by providing them with the tools and resources needed to succeed in our profession. So, and that profession would be public relations? Public relations, strategic comms, marketing, it's open to all kinds of students, not specifically just uh, public relations. If a student hears this is interested in joining, they absolutely can. They don't have to be a public relations major yeah, in chess. That's correct. We have different students. Uh, for example, I always have to talk about Megan Blodgett, for example. She double majored in comms and biology, mm -hmm. and she works in healthcare now. So you can major in whatever you want to major in. We have connections in all sorts of industries. You mentioned connections. So that's 
Is that something that you guys try to upsell at PRSSA as to what is the, some of the main benefits to joining? Yeah, it's definitely one of the, one of the things that we love to champion. Uh, what we do is we have connections with different professionals in the Raleigh area. So what we do is we connect students with them through different mentor programs. We also hold different networking events. So students are able to ask these professionals questions like, for instance, what worked for you when you were a student? How did you get your first internship? How can you help me get my first job, et cetera? Do you have a pretty good success rate with getting students those jobs through connections? Like how have you had connections from PRSSA? I know you're the president of the club. Yeah, so I have been involved in the organization, involved meeting that I've you know, do more than just come to like a meeting per semester uh, since January. And so since January, I've just reaped so many different rewards. For example, to speak to my internship, um, I intern at French West Vaughn now, where I'm one of the Wrangler interns. I work on the Wrangler account. Um, and this internship I got solely through my organization. So just to speak on that, one of the people who graduated from NC State, she graduated in May, and she was a former PRCC executive board member. She was looking for an intern, posted something about it on LinkedIn, and one of my mutual connections liked it, so it just appeared on my feed. And then her and I ended up chatting through LinkedIn. We ended up getting coffee mm-hmm. on that Friday, and without having a formal interview, they actually extended an offer to me just because of my status and my involvement with PRSSA. And you would not have gotten that without being in PRSSA, you don't think? I'm not going to say that I would not have gotten that, but I don't think the opportunity would have come up the way it did. Um, it just presented itself, and then from there, I think I was able to sell myself and then kind of just follow up and go from there. So what are some other benefits? How often do you guys meet, and what kind of things do you do at the meetings, and what else does the club do? Yeah, so we try to meet every month, once a month. It's gonna, we're planning on it being on the third Wednesday of every month. Um, so we hold different events. For example, our first meeting was an informational meeting. Mm-hmm. We also had a guest speaker who was, her name is Katie Bolino. She's an assistant account executive at Race Point Global. She works in tech communication. And so she was able to inform students of her journey and her experiences, and they were able to learn from her, interact with her during the meeting and both after. We also hold different workshops for students. So we go over the importance of like LinkedIn, Hootsuite, Cision. There are examples of softwares that are actually used in the real world that just aren't taught in class. We do these kinds of things. We also present students with opportunities such as like these networking events. So we have our staple event, PR Day, coming up in October. And we just hold a bunch of different socials for them to interact with professionals and really just establish and build these relationships. Mm-hmm. So you talked about your staple event, PR Day. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so PR Day, it's a part of Calm Week. If you remember Calm Week, which is actually switching this year, um, it's going to be a new series. And so every single month, the comms department is going to sponsor one event. So for the month of October, it'll be PR Day. So we don't want to give too much information out right now just because we haven't fully secured our agenda. But just to speak on it a little bit, we've had some notable people from the Raleigh area speak at our events. Uh, so last year, for example, we had Tarad Neptune. He's constantly in the Forbes top business people, um, and he just has so many awards. He works at Lenovo. He's the chief communications officer there. We also had Rick French. As, as I mentioned, I interned at French was fun. He's the CEO of French West Vaughn, mm-hmm. um, and he was our keynote speaker two years ago. And this year, we're excited to have Shannon Heath, who works directly under Jim Goodnight at SAS, and she's one of okay. the executives in communication. Um, and just to add one more thing, we also have different panels. So we'll have four different panels this year. We'll have NCPRSA, who's our parent chapter, and they'll talk a little bit about what their organization is, how students can get involved after school, and the kinds of things that they can do to help students in the now. 
Raleigh Public Relations Society is another organization that will also have another panel. And then we'll also feature two professional panels. So this year we'll have a nonprofit panel. Right now we're securing people from the Jimmy V Foundation, the Blood Connection, and then we're in the works of securing one last person. And then for the for-profit panel, we have a vice president from the Hurricanes looking to secure a CEO from a local agency. We just secured a vice president at another agency and just, again, more to come with that. Okay, and so there is like a, a beginning of the year fee, but then after that, you're in the clear, you don't have to pay, and, and you can benefit as much by going to the events, and you don't have to go if you don't want. But Yeah, and that's, and that's absolutely right. We have a lot of people who do pay the fees, um, and they just don't come to the meetings, they just put it on their resume. I, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. You do get out what you put in, but we just tend to see a trend that those who get more involved are those who end up getting more rewards than others, if that makes sense. But our goal here is just to have as many students involved as possible so everyone has an equal chance to get these rewards. Just because, like, for example, for me, I'm a first-generation student. I don't really have a foundation to rely on. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of other students are in the same predicament. And so it's great to just empower these students and inspire them and have them succeed. And it's a huge uh, networking boost as well. And a lot of times after college, whether you get a job, it's more about who you know versus what you know. And when you have those connections, which can be gotten through PRSSA. Yeah, and it's great. Uh, also, just to speak about connections, I talked about this at our meeting yesterday, or this week, but for people who are looking to move into a different city, for example, I'm hoping to move to D.C. after school, just securing these connections in a different area is something that PRSSA can do. I have connections in California, Texas, New York, just from different members of the mm -hmm. organization. They can also provide me with other contacts. And so just establishing that network is really, really important, not just for those who are hoping to stay in Raleigh, but also those who have aspirations to go see something different. So are there any like um, events like end of year? Because you said PRSSA is a national organization. Are there any uh, national events? Yeah, so there's actually three national events. The first of the year is National Assembly, which takes place every April in uh, Portland, Oregon. What that is, is we just vote on the national committee. So we have, for example, the same way that our chapter has an executive board, the national level also has an executive board. Mm -hmm. So certain members will run, and then each university will send a delegate, and then those delegates are those who vote for the new national committee. We also have a series of speakers. Last year they had people from Taco Bell, Microsoft, Edelman, which is the biggest public relations agency in the world. We also have Leadership Rally, which is one I attended in May. Mm -hmm. The president of the chapter, along with the firm director, a lot of the chapters have firms which are like student-run agencies. Mm -hmm. They actually have like real campaigns and clients that they work with. But the firm director and the presidents, we all meet for a conference, and it's brilliant. Just the energy and the vibe and just everything about it is just absolutely amazing. I learned so much. I made lifelong connections with people in such a short amount of time. And then finally, the last event is International Conference, which takes place in San Diego. It'll be October 18th, and I'm really excited to attend. We'll have, again, it's more of like a workshop. We'll have different speakers from, again, a lot of the big agencies. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have Google there. We'll have a bunch of different people. And so... Um, We'll also be able to have an opportunity to connect with all the students, which I feel is equally important as to why you're there. Um, but these are through the, the events. And for me, I got really lucky. Leadership Rally was all covered through our chapter. And that's like one of my goals is to just pretty much just provide a foundation and have students apply for scholarships to attend these different conferences. So mm -hmm. everyone, has, again, has an equal opportunity to experience what I've experienced. 
Okay, and do you have any other goals as the president of the chapter of what you want to try to um, do this year? I mean, uh, paying for people to go to the conferences would be pretty awesome, but yeah. is there any other goals that you might have? Um, again, right now, for this semester, again, we're taking it one month at a time. Mm -hmm. um, so for this semester, we're just hoping that PR Day will be a success. That, again, that's our staple event, so right now we have all hands on deck and planning for that. We also are hoping to just increase involvement. We're hoping to grow our chapter as much as possible. And again, we don't want just members who, we want as many members as possible, but we're hoping all of our members will get involved as, as, as involved as we hope that they can be. And then finally, I think that, yeah, honestly, those are our two big goals for right now. Um, we're also hoping to just fundraise and just have like a bigger presence on campus. Mm -hmm. As you know, NC State's a really STEM-driven school. We're often forgotten. People often forget that we're here. Hey, and, that's why we're here with you now. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, no, I really do appreciate you guys taking some time to spotlight our, our um, No worries, man. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. Do you have any closing thoughts or remarks, anything that you think should be touched on before we uh, wrap it up? Follow us on social media. We're NCSU PRSSA. Um, that's our Instagram handle, Twitter handle. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn. Definitely give us a shout. If any of you guys ever want to reach out to any of us, feel more than free. You guys can get my contact information from Benjamin. I'm more than happy to chat about PRSSA. And if you all have any questions, please reach out. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Daniel. And uh, we appreciate you. Uh, this has been Benjamin Denton with Daniel Burris, president of PRSSA for Eye on the Triangle. You know, folks, to follow up my interview with Brenda Tracy of Hashtag Set the Expectation, let me just say something real quick. We often tell our loved ones to stay safe when they leave the house and head out into the world, but we almost never say, keep others safe. Next time you're having a good time out there at a bar or an arcade or a party, take a look around you. These horrific crimes are preventable. Heroes don't have superpowers. They just have a pair of eyes, a conscience, and a will. So get out there. Keep others safe. Thank you to our live audience who has tuned in to Hero Sets. It means a lot to us all here, and we're always happy to hear from you as well. If you have any burning questions or powerful opinions, hit us up at publicaffairs at wknc.org. We are also accepting applicants if you'd like to become a part of the Eye on the Triangle team. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. Our intro music for today's show was Safe Sex by Texas Radio Fish. Copyright 2019, licensed under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, 3.0 license. Stay tuned for usual programming of indie music. We'll see you all again next time. Stay safe.